This is the 210 Podcast, where we show you how to have more as a busy professional woman while still enjoying the mommy life. We are your hosts, Dr. Amy Steele and Dr. Carol Broxton. So happy new year and welcome again to our podcast. We're glad you stopped by and we wish you a prosperous new year. Welcome again. We are going to say happy new year every episode in January. So we're almost done with January. So we get again, thank you for joining us. Welcome back. So Carol, hey. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year once again. All right. So our topic for today is pat yourself on the back. You are doing a great job. So as a mom, we're often pulled in so many directions. We are moms. We're working women. We are nurses. We're comedians, consolers, champions of everyone in the house, counselors, chefs, lovers, cleaners, and so much more. Carol, am I missing anything? <laughs> oh, we wear so many hats. So, so many hats. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's a wonder we're stand, still standing at the end of the day. I mean, <laughs> exactly. we do a lot. Not to say that dads and fathers don't do a lot, but moms, wow, we do a lot. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. So, Carol, I found an interesting article called Mothers Are Drowning in Stress, and it was published back in March of 2019 in Psychology Today. And so it chronicles this sociologist, Caitlin Collins, who she performed a study and the study was called Making Motherhood Work, How Women Manage Careers and Caregiving. And the study then also turned into a book, which we'll have that available in the show notes for today. So the book, yeah, the book and the study chronicles working moms from four wealthy Western countries. And so a total of five different areas, but four wealthy countries total. Mm -hmm. And she found that the women in the United States have it the worst oh. in terms of feeling overwhelmed and generally tapped out. So, Carol, you wouldn't expect anything different, would you? <laughs> or no, did you? I'm, not. <laughs> I'm probably one of those women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm one yeah. of those women. So consistently, she found that moms wanted to essentially combine working for paid employment while also being a mom in ways that did not distract from either home or work lives too much. So she found that women wanted to be able to go to work and then also have a great home life and those two not conflict with each other. How's that work out for you, Carol? Yes, that that poses a challenge, definitely poses a challenge because we are pulled in so many different directions and we can feel unaccomplished. But we have to stop and count um, our small victories. And many times with the job, especially with a job and you're, working, you know, that nine to five, or if you're your own entrepreneur, you may work a lot more hours trying to help your business establish. So many times we can feel that drive can drain us mentally, emotionally, physically, and just different aspects of our lives. And when you have, when you're that exhausted mom, it's hard to give from an empty cup. So, you know, that job can drain you and make you feel deplete you in so many words. And then, you know, what do you have left to give to your children? You know, what do you have left to give to your, your husband or to friends and family? You know, those that we we are important in our lives and that we want to put into them our love and attention. But we are so drained from the, the workforce and that career. We really have to go back and re-strategize and see, okay, how am I going to find this balance? Right. And, and I'm a, a working mom, but I'm an entrepreneur. 
And so it's very difficult to have a work-life balance, even though I work from home. And so, you know, people say, oh, you know, you work from home, you have the best of both worlds. And that's true. (laughs) But, you know, you also have the stress of, you know, trying to cook dinner while you're trying to take a client call. And then everyone comes home from school, but you're still working. So you don't really have work hours, you know, you don't turn it off. So I'm working on my boundaries, especially (laughs) for the new year. All right. But, you know. (laughs) Right. You can hold me accountable for that. But it's always something. So even when I was working outside of the home, it's always hard to find that work-life balance. So just getting back to the article. So the countries studied were East Berlin, Sweden, of course, the United States, West Mm -hmm. Germany, and Italy. And so in Sweden, the sociologist Caitlin Collins, she found the highest support for families where there was kind of this equal responsibility in child rearing Mm -hmm. and breadwinning. The mom still felt the pressure of motherhood, but it wasn't necessarily overwhelming to them. So that's in Sweden. Okay. Now in East Berlin, they have universal employment for both men and women. And the women do not necessarily feel the conflict, so to speak, overworking. They really don't focus on having a career. Like that's not their focus. Wow. And so, yeah, right? <laughs> they don't really go after that hardcore career. Yeah. Like I feel we do a little bit in the U.S. Oh, definitely. Um, so in West Germany and Italy, the article says that these women, they have a strong history in maternalism where moms kind of take over, making sure they care for their kids and have that supportive motherly instinct always available. But the women feel that a career can conflict with their motherhood. So seeking that lifestyle of working and having a career is kind of frowned upon in the whole society, you know? Oh, yes. That's just the opposite. Right. Imagine. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, that's what she found. So, Carol, what do you think the results were from the U.S.? I have a feeling that the results, I have a feeling the results aren't too good. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. So U.S. moms have it worst, according to the article. And so you and I are considered U.S. moms. Mm-hmm. So let's see what we kind of face okay. and, and what is, is bad about what we deal with. So in general, there's a lack of support. Mm-hmm. And the support I found interesting that they reference in the article is a structural support, like support from the system, okay. meaning the whole system is designed to really not be friendly for working families mm-hmm. who have mm-hmm. kids, which is interesting. Then we suffer from crushing guilt. So I, I know you've had guilt before, oh, right? Yes, when you leave yeah. your kids. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially when yeah. you're young and they, those tears. Oh boy. Oh boy. When they want mommy to just stay home. <laughs> Right. Or they, they pull on you when you're dropping them off at the daycare mm-hmm. or at a provider's home for childcare. And they're just like, mommy, don't leave me. And I, and I have you a know, great, and and I have, can I interject? Know. I have a great story for that one. So yeah. I, my middle daughter, um, when she was a little going to pre-K, so my husband gets to, you know, he gets to the place, he's dropping her off. She holds on to the car. She's in between the door and he's like trying to pull this child out of the car. Everyone's looking on like, oh dear. And he's like so embarrassed, but the child is like, I don't want to go to school, <laughs> which is so hilarious yeah. right now because now she's an adult, she's an adult going to college. So it's like, I remember when you were young and you were holding yes. onto the car door. <laughs> so yes, the guilt is real. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you don't want to leave them and you, you wonder, you know, is someone mistreating them? 
or mm-hmm. are they having a good experience in school or are they having a bad experience? And this is them telling me that this is not yeah. a good experience at yeah. this daycare and maybe I need to interject. But sometimes it's, it's that they're, they are having a good experience, but they just want their moms. But mm-hmm. that creates this guilt and it makes you just not want to go to work. Like mm-hmm. I just many days I wanted to just call in and say, I will turn around and I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> guilt is definitely something I have experienced, but the article does talk about that. And it talks about this kind of work family conflict and how we as moms try to overcome this by making ourselves be more efficient on the job or by kind of interjecting some skills that we've learned. So one of them that the article referred to, which I thought was funny, mm-hmm. was breastfeeding, breast like pumping oh, milk yeah. while you are on the job. <laughs> Have you ever done that, Carol? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> okay, well, let me tell you about the 50,000 times I had to pump milk on my lunch break <laughs> or on my planning period. So I was a teacher. And I remember when I was pregnant, I was in a trailer, like my classroom was in a mobile oh, yeah, unit oh, yeah. and the mobile oh, unit. Had, okay. So they had two doors. It had two doors and there and lots of windows. So there really wasn't privacy in the, in the mobile unit. But ultimately the next year when I, I had my child in the summertime. And so the next year I was moving inside of the building. And I never forget talking to the principal and I said, I am going to need a place to pump my milk. (laughs) And she accommodated and made sure that she could provide me with a place to pump my milk. And that ended up being a classroom that had an office, which was perfect because I could pull the blinds on the office door. Mm -hmm. I could still keep my classroom open or I could lock the classroom door and lock my office door and have ultimate privacy. Okay. Well, I remember literally going into the office the first time. And I felt like I was violating just all sorts of rules <laughs> by undressing the top part of my body oh, yeah. to put my pump apparatus in place. <laughs> and if you have never pumped milk, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, and you have to open up. Yeah, I mean, you got to pull your shirt up. You got to put the pump on both sides, right? Yes. And then you have to make sure it's charged and pl- or plugged in if you had that kind. I had a Medela. Okay. And then oh, you yeah. had to plug it up, put it in, make sure you have all your bottles. Everything is clean. Be as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. You have like 30 minutes <laughs> to do it. Yeah. And try to get out five ounces in each bottle. Yeah. I mean, it was a process. Yes. Oh, and yeah. that's what I had to do. I know that's probably too much, but that's what I did. Hey, it's what we're experiencing. That's right. That's what we experience. That's what we go through. And many moms out there are facing that same thing. And so the article just kind of talks about how we have this conflict, but we don't, we acknowledge it, but we still keep forcing ourselves to become better and become more efficient and try to work through the conflicts so that we don't have these issues. When essentially, should we be pumping at work? Or maybe we should have our babies be able to visit us at work and we feed them and we take a break from work and then they go back home. Like there's all sorts of things. So that's a thought. The article also talks about the conflicts moms face as personal problems, meaning they're not the problem of the employer. Mm -hmm. They're not the problem of society or the structure of the system. They're just the mom's problem. And it's like, if we don't have kids, then who's going to take over the exactly. world? <laughs> we play an important role. We have a very important role, people. <laughs> yes, exactly. right. And so it's also that according to the study, and this is kind of direct quoted from the study and the article, it says the cultural ideal of motherhood is an all-absorbing devotion to her children as the source of her life's meaning 
creativity, and fulfillment. Children are seen as fragile and only properly cared for by loving mothers. Fathers can't help much because they are thought to lack the right nurturing skills, end quote. And that, again, is what the author says and the about the study, and it's quoted directly from the study, as kind of this assumption about U.S. moms. So, Carol, what do you think? Like, is this true? Okay, I have to say, so as a new mom, I can see where they're coming from, this being true. Our children do not come with a manual. And so there we have this idea of what the perfect mom should be. So um, we try to, we end up burning ourselves out trying to reach that unrealistic standards. Cause you know, you, you read the books and then if you start looking at social media and then you try to mimic what you're seeing, motherhood can seem to be so overwhelming. And we can take mm-hmm. on a role of trying to be superwoman. And that's where that burnout can come from or this misconception of trying to be that perfect mother that's devoted to her children, you know, we we live, eat, and breathe our children. And then trying to be superwoman, we won't even bother to ask because that shows vulnerability and that we don't know what we're doing and we're weak or what have you. So we're not even asking help, help and maybe not even giving our husbands a chance to help and be there for us and support us. And that can make them look inadequate or even feel inadequate. What's fun yeah. is because we have the five, so when you get to two, three, four, and five, woo! About it. About it. <laughs> it will humble you down and make you realize that mm-hmm. it takes a village to raise these children and that you cannot do it by yourself. And then asking for help is okay. And you don't have to be superwoman, but that initial mindset of, of being that first time mom, you know, you just kind of had that mindset that I want to be perfect. You know, I'm reading the books and I want to do everything right. But you know, life life happens <laughs> and it teaches us a, right. a, a lot of valuable lessons that, you know, trying to be superwoman does not work. It, it does not work. I'm glad you said that because Collins ultimately found that American women just really need to release themselves mm-hmm. from the guilt and the stress that they experience and just realize that it is a structural problem rather than an individual problem exactly. alone. And so, you know, many people may disagree, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But I tend to to agree mm-hmm. with her that we have to go from this individualistic approach to a more collective approach about how we raise children in society today. And so we'll get into this later on when we start talking about finances. But one of the things we chose to do is to become minimal in our mm-hmm. lifestyle. And so becoming minimal kind of reduced the cost of what it takes to run our family on a monthly basis which also frees me up to be able to do some other things like start this podcast and have other options in my life instead of feeling like I have to go to work all the time and, you know, do just kind of participate in earning income all the time from outside Mm -hmm. of my home. And so that's a choice that we made. And that choice allows me the flexibility to be able to be home more. But it still comes with a price, exactly. right? It well, still yes. comes with a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, because now I feel like I'm supposed to be super mom and I still don't win. I'm still not winning. I'm not winning. <laughs> yes, that's a true feeling. That's a true feeling. <laughs> yes. So, you know, these small victories that we celebrate and we can celebrate the small wins. That's something that we definitely want to do. But we can celebrate winning when we just get the kids to school on time and we make it to work on time. or we, you know, buy the teacher gift on time and present it to her before the holiday <laughs> as opposed to after the holiday. 
So, Kara, what are kind of some small victories that we can quickly share with our podcast audience? Okay, some small victories that we should consider. I think just using the time that you do have with your children and being intentional. So, for instance, when you're going to, you're taking your children to school, say you were out there working and you're taking the kids to school, make sure you cut out, you're, you're cutting out the radio and you're having that conversation about, you know, how did you sleep and, you know, what are they feeling and what are they thinking? And it give, give you our children in the car a chance to, have a discussion because something I would do with my children. I would have a topic each day. I say, today my topic is gratitude. And they're like, you know, you hear the hub, oh, here she comes with a topic. But, you know, <laughs> I, I have you in a car for this period of time. Let's use this time wisely, you know, cut the radio off and have this conversation. And you'll be surprised, you know, once they get over this, oh, here she goes again. You know, they chime in and ask questions and say different things that, you know, motivates them, encourages them, and it opens up dialogue and builds, a you know, a bond between you and your children. So that might seem like a small thing, but it's really big because those conversations are what it's going to push them and get them through different things that they go through at school or whatever they're thinking about or however they're feeling. It gives them a chance to know that you have time for them and you're listening to them or even maybe having a family meal where you're cutting out the television and you are you're, you're putting your phone right. down and you're just saying, how was your day and how did you feel and how was class and how's your grades going? You know, once again, you're bonding, you're using that time wisely and you're bonding with your children. And that might seem like not a big deal, but it is, you know, you can be so busy, so tired, so drained that you can say, oh, you know, right. just eat something real quick and, and let's go. Everybody's going, going, going in different directions. It makes you stop. And it, and it shows your kids, I'm interested in what's going on with you. This is my way of showing you love and pouring into you, you know, listening to you and, and saying something to you and encouraging you and then lifting you up. Those are the things that may seem small, but those are some, some great victories. Right. And I agree with you. We do have to celebrate the small victories. I think we all kind of theoretically have this big, grandiose vision of what it means to be a superstar, rock star mm -hmm. mom. And we don't take the time to celebrate those small things that happen on a daily basis. But that's our life. That is exactly. the victory on a daily basis. Celebrating those small things, those are the victorious moments. So that wraps up our episode. And we thank you all. Awesome. For I enjoyed this topic. This was a great one. Yes. All right, then. Well, thanks for listening to the 210 podcast where we shine light on topics for busy moms. Be sure to leave a comment and share this podcast with your family and friends. Make sure you follow 210 podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day. 